2: Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: Homestell Radio Preview Podcast. Crowdfunded by Palace fans. For Palace fans.
3: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Homesale Radio Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford of Red and I'm here with Sam Heskiff and producer Billiam making his debut to build you up to the game against who has the better squad, us or Burnley. Before we dissect the impending visit of the Clarets, we will discuss a few transfer rumours and look back at the disappointing third round defeat at the Amex. As always, before all of that, head over to holradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Yeah, producer Billiam, man stepping up. (laughs) Man stepping up, yeah. How's it going? Um, How how do you think this debut is going to go? Do you think it's going to go well or do you think everyone's going to be like, oh, that's the way he produces? Uh,
4: Yeah, I think it's probably going to be that option, you know. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see how it goes.
3: (laughs) And the self-professed nasally Heskiff in the background.
4: Hello. Uh,
5: Quite weird that this is only my third show, but I'm no longer the baby of the group.
3: <laughs> that I'm, quite, is... I'm
5: quite into that, Billiam. Yeah,
3: well, <laughs> I, th- I think I um, think Billiam's still the baby at a group age-wise as well. I think he's considerably younger than me and you, Hesketh. So um, fairly we'll, depressing. Well, you, you have permission to keep him in line when he's on this. When he's on this side, we're in charge. <laughs> um, so obviously, it's January the transfer windows open, and uh, social media and news outlets are awash with. Transfer rumours left, right and centre. Bought in Dougie Friedman and uh, we assume that one of his roles is going to be uh, scouting and finding new players. So this window, Diafro Sacco, Babacar and Omar Nias. Um, I think we've heard those for about four years running now, haven't we, Eskif?
5: Yes, um, not, not really the most original of lists, is it? It's almost like he's read the BBS, <laughs> gone back a few pages and thought that, you know, they'll do, I see what they're up to. Maybe chuck in the odd... Um, I'm Scottish and so is he, Lee Griffiths, just yeah. to mix it up a little bit. Um, yeah. but yeah, it, it does seem to be the same, especially with the strikers, it's the same names that keep mm. popping up and sort of are in various stages of signing for us and then aren't. And then there's a medical and then there's not. Mm. Um, so
3: who, who knows at the moment, really? Well, let's go a little bit from so Diafra Sacco is the one that is obviously getting the most coverage. Um that stupid guy, Pete O'Rourke from Sky, is back and forth saying, the deal's on, the deal's off, the deal's on. Like He just hasn't got a clue. I went, <laughs> went back into the history of his tweets today just to be to check what his um, success rate was with his rumours. And the first one I found from uh, last January's transfer window, he was saying that Jordan Rhodes from uh, Blackburn to Middlesbrough is off. And then about two hours later, it was confirmed. So uh, I don't put much stock in what he says. But we've seen... Um, the figure 10 million bounded about. Is that just... Is this is this the modern-day 2 million, esque? Do you think this is like, you know, 10 million for a striker who's scored some goals in a Premier League? It's the new 2 mil.
5: Yeah, it, de- it definitely is. I mean, we saw last January when we bought uh, Jeff and um, PVA... <laughs> they both cost they, they both 30 million 30 it, million on left backs exactly so I think in that sense 10 million on a striker whose, whose record is pretty good I mean one in three I think he's got for West Ham mm. you know 10 million all right it's a lot of me when you think what else you get but really that's two Jordan matches, and he's probably better than two Jordan matches. <laughs> so in that sense
3: I'm all right I'm all right with it to be honest Okay, Billiam, do you think Sacco is just a case of keeping him fit? I mean, I've seen I've seen both sides of the argument from West Ham fans. A lot of them are saying that, you know, never sell him to a relegation rival. He will always score goals versus, you know, I'll drive him there myself. So you're getting, you're getting two contrasting things. But, you know, 18 goals in 60 games in the Prem is almost one in three. Do you think if we can get him up and running which we have um a
4: terrible track record of doing <laughs> do you reckon he'll score goals for us i don't know man it's it's a tricky one really the one thing that i i've seen quite a lot on online is that he has a, a very bad attitude um and do we really want to bring that into the club and you know it could it could go it could one or two ways it's either going to go terribly or it, it, he could you know revive his you know striker career and it, it could actually work but we're not exactly in a position to be too picky at the moment, really. We we definitely need a striker, and you know if if he comes and and it works, then then great. If not, he's just going to be hated, really.
3: <laughs> so Hesketh, what are we thinking now? We're we giving him a a B plus for that answer.
4: Yeah,
5: B
3: plus. So he could could do better. Okay, could I'll do. take that. I'll take that. I'll take, that. <laughs> I'll take, I'll take a B plus. Um, we all saw Omar in the assets at Salas Park this season, mm-hmm. and. The figures being talked about him are similar sort of numbers. I think Everton will be wanting to recoup some of the money they spent on him, so again, we're looking at ten million plus Have you forgiven him for that dive yet haskif No, I forgive no one
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: it. I, um, I feel yeah. like I can throw up some examples of people you forgive did you have you forgive Friedman? All right,
5: I don't forgive any ass. I don't <laughs> forgive any ass. Um, he, he's a weird one though because in my head he's crap, but he's, he was all right on loan at Hull last year, wasn't he? He scored a few goals for them, mm. and I think he scored five or six goals for Everton this year, which is better than our strikers. Mm. Um, so like my initial reaction is I don't really want him, mm. but then if you look at how many goals he scored, his record's all right. And you know, I think Everton want to get rid, even though he scored a few for them. And, you know, like like William said, we we need a striker. we like we definitely need to have another striker in there. So in an ideal world, probably not in my top two hundred players that I want at Palace. But... <laughs> and David um, Nugent's still ahead of him. Yeah, David Nugent's up there. Colton Cole in the Sainsbury's car park is up there as well. <laughs>
3: yeah.
5: Um, <laughs> I, don't I don't know like even- he might be a he might be one of those cult heroes. I like could he come to us and we all expect him to be rubbish, but he scores mm. you know, four or five important goals. We stay up and then we all love him.
3: Yeah. Well, I see, it's easy to go and cult status at Palace, it seems, sometimes. But I think um watching him play for Everton, especially in that game against us, uh, two suicidal pieces of play aside, or, you know, one cheating piece of play and one giving him the ball. I did not think he looked very good, but he's not the kind of man that is going to be wanting to play with his back to goal as a lone striker. And I don't think it really suited him. And again, I don't think with Roy wanting to play with two up front, it would seem a large majority of the time. You don't want to just buy another Ben Teke. It wouldn't make much sense. And, you know, Nias has some pace. And so can you go like the big man, small man sort of combo and get balls into Ben Teke and get Nias off of him? And, you know, he has a history of goals in Russia. Um, I guess he's taken some chances at Everton and the hole. So maybe, maybe there's a good player in there somewhere. And, um, I mean, I don't enough know enough now about Kumar. Is it Kumar Babakar? He is. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't, I feel like I just don't know enough about him. Um, the fact that he keeps coming up on the radar would suggest that there's something there. Our infamous scouting machine is, keeps throwing him up and every manager seems to be interested. So, um,
5: i had a couple of friends who went to Italy recently and they saw a Fiorentina game and they said I asked I asked them today what he was like and they said he he came off the bench, missed a sitter after about five minutes. Um but after that was alright, he puts himself about. He's quite a big guy, quite strong. I think he's only twenty four as well, so that's not not a bad age to get someone in. Yeah.
4: Um
5: but like you, I don't really know much about him. His scoring record's all right. Yeah. Um so he might be another one who we don't know much about him, but he'll come in and and do well. But I, I think he's like you were saying with the opposite of Niaso. I think he's a similar to Benteke. Like he's quite a big guy who can hold the ball up. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. Well, I think with but, Benteke, um, look, we're, we're looking at like I guess a lot of people writing him off. I mean, <laughs> I got really angry with Evening Standard today for. Posting an article saying that we're looking at strikers because Roy Hodgson's losing faith in Benteke, which is just clearly not true. We need to add depth. We've only got (laughs) Christian Benteke. No team in their right mind only has one striker or one fit striker, you know, so we need to add players in there. And um, you're obviously going to need a replacement for Ben Teke or someone to challenge Ben Teke for that spot. You know, we've seen what um, competition for places can do for players. When you look towards your Joel Ward's, for example, <clears throat> or your Scott Dans, excuse me. <clears throat> and, you know, we're, we're going to need to add another one there. So I would, I mean, you're probably going to look at taking two, I'd imagine. But um, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> we need two, so we are probably signing none. Um goalkeeper we've been linked with right we was having some debate about how we say the name and we believe we settled on Vicente Gaita. is that yeah what? Gator? I think that's right uh I've got nothing <laughs> I've got nothing the BBS yeah. had a million suggestions
5: yeah the, so the, the BBS ranged from uh Vicente Gaita Okay. That's weird for me. to say like, because I don't say my ths when I talk English. Uh, <laughs> to or Vicente Guaita. Yeah, okay.
3: um, I, I don't know. I'm French. I can't. I don't know about Spanish. We'll go Guaita. Um, I looked him up on Whoscored.com. Uh, it's a great website if into stats. Um, said he likes to punch the ball. <laughs> that was that was the one thing it says about him. Every player has strengths and weaknesses, and. Um, uh, he had no strengths, but there's, you rarely see strengths for a goalkeeper. And um, his weakness was he likes to punch the ball. However, he has only conceded 18 goals in 18 games. And considering he's playing for, you know, Getafe, which are uh, half a team of bin men, and Barcelona, Real Madrid are in that league, only conceding one goal a game is pretty impressive. Getafe fans universally love him, mate. So do you think... Um, do you think that will translate well to coming to Palace? Because, you know, no, Hennessy hasn't come and really managed to, you know, win the fans over and take over the number one in any true spirit from Julian Speroni. So do you think someone who's universally loved by a set of fans will come in and do well?
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've seen some videos on, on YouTube of him of him playing and he, he does look good. He looks very quick. Um but you know, we again we need a goalkeeper, and he's got good experience. I think he's 30, thirty-one, isn't he? So, and you know, that's good. Good age to be coming into the Premier League. I think he'll be good. I, hopefully, it will go, come across. I I, uh, I saw that Watford were also in for him, hmm. uh, but it seems from things I've read today is that we've seems that we've won the race to to get him in. So hopefully that'll be announced in the next couple of days. But I think I think it'll be good. I think it'll be good. Yeah, we've
3: won We've won the race to get him into the building, but then he's going to talk to Phil Alexander and um, suddenly he'll be at Watford. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Watford, just off topic, Gomez is spilling the ball left, right and centre and it always seems to lead to a goal, so they clearly need someone new in. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, it looks good to me. Um, I quite like the idea of getting a German goalkeeper in. I just feel like there's so much talent in the pool of German goalkeepers and... Um, no trap is available at PSG. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And one other link we'll talk about because we've got Burnley on the weekend is um, Scott Arfield. Heskiff, outside of him, seeing his penalty saved by Speroni, do you know much about him?
5: Not a huge amount.
3: Um, I, I think, I'm pretty sure the Burnley
5: fans like him. He's one of those gives-his-all gives his type players. Mm. Um, which, to be honest, under Dyche probably sums up most of their team. Yeah. I think he's out of contract in the summer, which is probably why the links come about. Um, and, you know, he, I'm, I'm sure he's a decent player and, and good for the squad, one of those who you wouldn't mind coming in for the odd game here and there. But yeah, I think if we're going to offer Jimmy a new contract, which we should, because yeah. yeah. he's a very good player and we should keep him, then I don't know where Scarfield fits in, because I'd much rather see MacArthur get a place in the squad, and I'd much rather have him in the team than our field, which is a surefire way for us to concede a goal to our field on Saturday. Um, <laughs> well, but... I think he's,
3: I think he might be struggling with a knock. I'm, I'm sure he was out of the squad last weekend. So yeah, so, yeah. So, yeah, so um, we'll probably sign him, and his hamstring will be eternally broken. And he'll pass our
5: strict medical with his <laughs> hamstring, and then never play again.
3: Yes, indeed. Um, and the one main link out of the club is uh, Pat Soiree to Newcastle on loan. Um, I th- I'm sure this would have happened absolutely if Geoffrey Schlupp hadn't picked up his injury in the Brighton game. Uh, either of you to know the
4: extent of Schlupp's injury? No. It, they said uh, Townsend and Schlupp... Oh, it says Schlupp, uh, he's done his knee. So I think he left on the, the crutches after the uh, yeah. Brighton, Brighton game. So they've not said how long he's going to be out for, but you know, I can't imagine it being great if he's left on crutches, to be honest.
5: Mm, yes. Yeah, the guy the guy the uh, Chelsea
4: Loney, who was the other one who went off
5: mm.
3: in that challenge, it's I've just read it out yeah. for the whole season. Yeah, he's he's uh, had to return to Chelsea. Yeah, they it was it was a rough challenge. I mean it was complete a completely fair challenge. There wasn't yeah. there wasn't yeah. any problems with that. Um but yeah, so I don't know. Um like I say I think Pat would have gone and it would have been good for us. Uh Let him get back up running, you know, um, get some game time, get his mistakes out of the way at a relegation rival. I think it would have worked out perfectly for us. But, um, yeah, I think we probably won't see it happen if Schlapp's out for any more than sort of six or seven weeks, I would assume. So, um, okay, um, we'll take a little break there. And then when we come back... We have to do it. We'll review the Brighton game.
0: There are 99 reasons to hate Brighton. Homophobia doesn't need to be one of them. Follow us on Twitter at Proudham (laughs) Palace.
3: Right. I don't really want to talk about it. Um, Last week on the show, Heskiff, uh, me, you and Cole said um, we should be resting players. Uh, How do you feel about it now after the fact? Yeah, it looks like we should have rested more. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I mean, what what happened
5: with Schlepp and Andros is what I was fearing would happen. Uh, like I said, I didn't, I didn't want us to play Wilf. Um, I didn't want us to, you know, I thought Benteke should have got rested. And Cole last week said he, he you know, he wouldn't play Tonks either. Hmm. Um, and it's for this very reason, you know, look, obviously we don't want to lose to Brighton and losing to them, you know, the worst result. But in an FA Cup game, that was a bit of a, Damp squib. I mean, it was a pretty awful game.
3: Hmm.
5: To lose two players who realistically are going to be in our first eleven most
3: weeks, um, to lose them in that game is a bit gutting. Well, I think uh, Townsend's played the most minutes this season and Schlupp's played the third most minutes this season for Palace. So um yeah,
5: and you know, and, and neither were done from a ho- like a horrible foul or anything like that. Um, so, you know, it could have happened to anyone and it was a fluke both ways, probably. But it's sort of the risk that I was worried about us taking.
3: Um, mm. And unfortunately, it's it's come to pass. Yeah. Do you know, like, I'm, I'm wondering if Hodgson saw the draw and would have liked to have made more changes? Because as soon as we come out of the hat a borough away, I was just like, ugh, you know, it's, it's so it's so it, it, that's such an expensive away day. And I would have gone as much as I would have toyed around with the idea of not going. I would have ended up going. We would have probably lost. There's such a like cruddy draw, you know, that it kind of really, with everything that was surrounding the tie as well, it just really made me sort of weirdly feel not that bothered about losing before the game. But then when we'd lost the game, I was pretty furious. <laughs> um, I don't know, we won't touch on the first half. I mean, should Hennessy have saved it? What do you think, William?
4: Yeah, I think he should have got there. I think Spironi would have saved that.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think so too. I've, I Hennessy's really good at getting out to players and closing them down and like narrowing angles and so on, but you know, from that sort of 7 or 8 yard range where he got beat from, he's not great and the you know, the guy found the gap quite easily I thought. I mean, people were suggesting it took a deflection, did it? I I, I didn't look back. No, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think it took enough of a deflection to make any difference. <laughs> yeah, it just like it just went through the, a ball-sized hole in his body, you know. So maybe it's unfortunate. I don't know, but I think Sprody's much better in those sort of scenarios. But you know, whatever. We shouldn't really be comparing that. Um, Hesketh, when Sacco cocked his right leg back, were you preparing yourself in the stands to catch it, or <laughs> did it? Did, was you surprised like what I was when it flew in the bottom corner?
5: Yeah, I mean, I. I not in a million years would I have thought he'd score from there with his right foot. Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the time, I, I, I really like Sacco. Um, but a lot of the time, when he smacks it with his left foot, it goes a long way away from the goal.
3: Clapped so, it.
5: Clapped it. And he clapped it. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, when, when, when he sort of, you, you could see straight away he was lining up to shoot because he sort of started his run a bit and then just pinged it in. And yeah. it took a second to realise it had gone in. Um back but- back. slaps <laughs> it.
3: <laughs> For those who don't know what I'm doing, um it was a Wilfred Zaha's Instagram story immediately after Sacco scored the goal. Um he videoed the replays and was given a sort of running commentary <laughs> of Bachary Sacco scoring. And if you, um, if
5: you if you if you did miss it but you want to hear the commentary, um the official Palace Twitter just put up a video of, of the training from today with that commentary over the top of it.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll instead of one of the jingles this week, Billy, and we'll drop that in instead, nice, nice. <laughs> so, so they can listen to that. But it was it, it was very amusing. But you know, cruel Tim Crowe was in goal. You saw him die. He had everywhere covered except from in off the post, You know, so
5: yeah, it was, it, it, and and I think a lot of credit needs to go to Sacco of late because um, I remember a game uh, under pars when we lost one 0 away to Villa. Uh, it was when Wayne Hennessy nutmegged himself. Mm. Um which was great because I was stood right next to the Villa fans that night, so that was that was good of him to do that. Um but we played Sacco up front that night and he he just he was terrible. You know, it's not his position, he didn't know what he was doing, mm. out of his depth, but months under Roy, you know, he's he's really come on. He he changed the game when he comes on as a sub. Yeah. He was getting no no support in the first half, but still look good when he got the ball put himself about
3: yeah
5: um and his confidence is obviously really high i think he's loving it at the moment he doesn't seem to be the sort of person who moans that he's coming off the bench rather than starting yeah um uh because he's making the most of his sub appearances and you know he's probably going to start on uh, on saturday against burnley with Andros out i would have thought mm. um and you know I, I think he fully
3: deserves it yes um pff, I- you can tell he's definitely a confidence player. I think there's a lot around it as well. You can see he's finally fit now after that injury. Um he was definitely carrying a little bit of podge before. And um obviously this summer's really helped him out and he's he's now certainly when he's on the pitch, you know, he's he's stepped up a considerable amount of levels, you know. Uh, when he when he first came he was very confident but then went off very quickly. But now he's sort of sustaining it across a period of games, you know. I really hope it works out for him because he's a very likeable guy, you know. And there was long periods of last season where I'd already written him off. And um, I really hope he proves me wrong because I do really like him. And I think if you get his left foot anywhere within 20 yards of goal, you know, <laughs> it invariably ends up on target and that's going to get you a lot of goals. Um, so the game, VAR was in play. Billiam, did Murray handball it?
4: No, he didn't. He didn't. It's, I mean, I, I thought it was a handball straight away. But you look You look back at the, the replay, it, it, I don't really see it brushing off his knee. Everyone kept saying it brushed off his knee. I just think it, I mean, if anything, it looks more like the guy who headed it scored more of a goal than Murray did, to be honest. Murray just bundled it in the into the net, but it definitely didn't hit his arm. I think it probably took a slight, slight deflection off his knee, but of all people who could score, it was just frustrating really
3: yeah well I mean as soon as he come on I know Heskiff was probably the same as me as just saying well he's obviously going to score now <laughs> we yeah, said it last week didn't we on the pod we said to the Brighton fan is it time now you know Murray always scores against his former clubs and we're the only one he hasn't scored against yet so um yeah. it was only a matter of time but um I just I mean it definitely hits his knee 100% hits his knee you can you can see that quite clearly. But what interested me is that when they went to the VAR and they showed what the VAR looked at, all he was doing was looking at whether anybody was offside. Like he was moving lines about, and at not one point did the video assistant referee look at the angle that shows it come off his knee, and then he sort of leans his shoulder towards it, right? Yeah. So. Why is, why is the video referee not looking at this? Does he not have all the angles? Like, what's what's the point of everything going on? Because as soon as they showed that angle in the stadium, three things happened. Palace fans just went, what? Along with the, the Palace players, and you saw Kabaya was making the box signal to go to the VAR and stuff like this. Everyone was losing it in the stadium. Brighton fans were, like, getting nervous because they thought, like, oh, is this now going to get ruled out? Behind the Palace fans in the BT box, Rio Ferdinand's up there like slapping his arm, saying that's handball to the Palace fans. So we're all fully expecting it to go to VAR, and then the game just kicks off and carries on. And then afterwards, they're told that oh, he was told the referee was told in his earpiece that it was absolutely fine. But the only angle you see from that is it brush off his knee, and then it goes through a blind spot, and his arm leans towards it. So how do you know his arm hasn't touched it? You don't see from any angle to see if it's touched it or not. So I don't think you can conclusively say either way if it touched his arm or not. I don't think that the referee can look at that and overturn it. But it strikes up some really interesting stuff about VAR because in the very first game in England, we get a scenario where, A, you don't have enough camera angles to actually conclusively decide if it touched his arm or not. And B, the video assistant referee hasn't even looked at the only angle he has available to him anyway. It's like he didn't even realise he was supposed to be looking for handball. So, um, I don't know. It was it was a little bit of upsetting. I mean, it's probably long-term. I hate saying it because I would love to win the FA Cup and everybody knows I've done done that to death, said it loads of times. I would take an FA Cup over relegation. Whether that's your cup of tea or not, I don't care. That's my cup of tea. So it's probably but it's probably done as a favour in the long run to not have to go to Middlesbrough away now, to not have to play a replay against Brighton, you know, all those things. So, um,
4: yeah,
5: yeah. i got to say, I think we could have used VAR to ask what on earth our defenders were doing when <laughs> the <that> free kick.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I don't want to seem like I'm making excuses, but I mean, there is an, a very big argument to be had. to looking at VAR in the build-up to their first goal as well, because a free kick gets given against Riedervold, but it's, Clear on the replays that he's fouled before he commits a foul, so he gives away a free kick, which then they score from about twenty seconds later. And as we talked about last week, that you know the build-up play counts, and his shirt's clearly pulled. The guy gets in front of him, and then he pulls the guy's shirt, mm. and the free kick goes against Rudov. So should they have gone back and looked at that as well? And that's why I just think, really long term, I just I just don't think VAR is worth it. It's just going to make as many arguments as it solves I just I just I don't think it's worth it I think we should just be left to moaning after games although you know it never it's clearly given moaning to moan about anyway so, <laughs> so there you go I've probably answered my own question <laughs> um, but Heskey, if you love Glenn Murray so how do you feel now is it yeah, I, mean a little bit? yeah I haven't forgiven him mate I'm he's going on the list it's going <laughs>
5: on the list who's well, he joined,
3: who's he joined on that list
5: the ass, mate. <laughs> it's, a, it's an all-encompassing list of just people who do me wrong. <laughs> Specifically you. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I love Glenn when he was at Palace. Obviously, he was great and he scored great goals. He scored a lot of important goals. And we remember how the Brighton fans were chanting pretty nasty stuff at him when he got that injury in the playoffs. Um, so it, it's a bit galling now that he scores this this winning goal and they're all crowing about it, forgetting yeah. how much they hated him. But, yeah, uh, you know, uh, I, I just thought it was going to happen. <laughs> you know, like you said, when he came on, I just thought, well, in, in the same, I mean, it didn't happen when we played Man City and I saw Yaya coming on for his, you know, trot yeah. about and goal against us. So you feel like we were uh, the old one. <laughs> yeah, and like, honestly, as soon as he came on, I just thought, you know, he's only got 10 minutes or whatever it is. He's, he's bound to score. Um <laughs> So it's, yeah, it was, like you say, it's one of those where I, I'm the similar with you. I don't really want to go to Middlesbrough away and have get beaten by, get beaten by Byron. and totally peel cackling down the camera yes. at us. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I, n- I never want to lose to Brighton. So yeah. It, yeah, it's a bit annoying. And I wish Glenn had just left it alone. Just let yeah. that
3: other bloke score. Yeah, it was going in probably, weren't it? Just let it go. Okay. Um, yeah, talking about never wanting to lose to Brighton, um, did the attendance on the night suggest that not everybody feels that way anymore? You know, only 14,507 were in attendance, of which just nine under 2,000 were Palace fans, which was a sellout for Palace. You know, I don't think we'd have sold any more um, if more were available. I think. Um, a lot of people didn't want to go for a, you know, a whole combination of reasons. But that means that there were more people not at the game in the FA Cup who were at the FA Cup game than were at it. So 15,300 odd people weren't at the game. And has this basically has to have revealed the true number of Brighton plastics to us? Because obviously, if you're a real Brighton fan, you're going to be at that game, right? I understand why Palace fans didn't want to go after being kettled and, you know, having all sorts of problems. You know, there have been smoke bombs, uh, really rough handed police tactics, people storming, people not getting in, then reports of train strikes, all this thing. I, I, I get it. I understand why Palace fans would not want to go to this game after that. But hey, we still sold out our allocation anyway. But for only 12,000 Brighton fans to turn up. It's do, do they see us as a rival or do are we a rival anymore? I think pro- probably the
5: 12,000 who turned up you would say that you know the, like you say the proper fans not the plastics who do want to come and see um see their team play palace. Um but it's sort of like you know if they're getting the same attendance as we would if we played at home in the cup against you know Burton Albion or something it's not it's not great is it? Yeah. Um and, you know, if it's a home game, like you say, there's a lot of reasons why a lot of Palace fans didn't go to the game. Um, but if you're if you're a home fan and it's on a Monday night, that doesn't make any difference to you because you live, you know, just down the road. Mm. You should be going. And I was actually surprised at how small the home crowd was, actually. Mm. Um, I, I didn't think it would be a sellout. But I certainly didn't think it would be as empty as it is, as it was.
3: Yeah.
5: And like you say, you know, we 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 sort of take the piss out of them a little bit for being plastics and half and half scarves and all that, but there's something in that. There's right. definitely something in it. You know, their their crowd started getting big when they started winning games. And now they're just sort of seeing an extra expense. If they if they'd have played that home that that cup game against Man United or Liverpool, that, that would have been sold at hundred percent. Mm. Um and like you say, I, I think those are the fans that view games against you know, the top six say as bigger than games against Palace, and they shouldn't.
3: Yeah, that's definitely right. And um, I mean, I only <laughs> and it's terrible for it. I know two Brighton fans, and one of them, when they both say that Brighton's their second team. One's an Arsenal fan, and one's um, a, a West Ham fan, but they're from Brighton, and they was like, "Well, Brighton were crap, so we had to pick better teams when we were younger." Um, but we always follow Brighton, and it's always the same thing they say, but. My question is, when Arsenal's playing Brighton, who do you want to win? <laughs> and the answer isn't convincing as it should be, because they know they're talking to me. They feel like they have to say Brighton. But, um, <laughs> but hey, look, like, we've dragged that on enough. We'll leave it there. Um, after this, we will be back with the Burnley preview.
4: Homesdale Radio Preview Podcast.
0: Crowdfunded by Palace fans. For Palace fans. Oh my days
2: slapped it.
3: Yeah, unfortunately, guys, no uh Burnley fan this week. Um if you remember from the game earlier in the season, we had Natalie Bromley from the No Nay Never podcast, and she was excellent, but unfortunately she couldn't make tonight, and there's um not basically not a lot of Burnley fans out there who want to talk, so <laughs> Um, we're stuck with just us talking about Palace against Burnley. Uh, Infamously, after the last game, Steve Parrish got into a big spat. This is the last game against Burnley I'm talking about. With Palace fans on Twitter, I ended up sacking the Boer. But he said that whose squad would you rather have, Burnley's or Palace's? Um, (laughs) If they do the league double over us this season, Heskif is... uh, What's Parrish going to do? Is he going to go back and delete that tweet? (laughs) Oh, well, uh,
5: you know, I I think I I sort of get what you were saying. Uh, uh, But as a squad and playing for the manager that that they have, it it doesn't surprise me that they're doing, um, you know, doing so well. Um, I was actually a guest on the podcast when we played them away. Uh, and I think the reason that the Burnley fans are not on this week is because I spent the entire time saying, let us have your manager. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, think he, I think he's a fantastic manager. Um, like I, I'm really happy with Roy Hodgson. I don't, I don't want to sort of make it seem like I'm not, because I absolutely am. But at the start of the season, um, or in the summer before the season started, when we had these names, Dyche's name was, was floating about. And I just thought he'd be a fantastic manager for Palace. So, you know, he they don't concede many. All right, that's quite tough with Hennessy and goal. I concede, but, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, they don't concede many. They work hard and then he'd have, you know, the players like Wilf and, and Andros and that, bit of flair. Um, so maybe on paper, you know, we have a better squad, we have better players. But if you look at the league table, they're doing really well and they've had some great results. You know, they just went up to Old Trafford and got a, a two-all draw not that long ago. Um, When they lose games, I think other than that, they lost 3-0 to Tottenham. But other than that, if they lose, they tend to lose by the odd goal. Um, They're just a very, very hard-working squad. And especially when they're an away team, they know exactly how to play as an away team. We saw that last year. Um, And if he's doing this well with Ashley Barnes up front, he must have something about him as a manager. (laughs)
3: Bloody Ashley Barnes, another one who will inevitably score past us. Um, Billiam, t- expected goal stats, right? <laughs> how do you feel? H- how do you feel about expected goal stats? Just as much in
4: them. Um, what, what, what do you mean by this?
3: So you know, the, for Burnley, right? Burnley have only scored nineteen goals this season in twenty-two games. Right, but their expected goals say they should be scoring way less which pretty much says, you know, you're going to get relegated is basically their expected goals. And expected goals, you know, is the chances you create and the quality of that chance you create. It's not, it's not a perfect stat by any means, um, because all it says is this person shot from this area of the penalty area via this method. He's strong foot, he's weak foot, he's head. and, that's it. It doesn't tell you how the ball came into you, whether it's high or low, what sort of pressure you were under, and stuff like that. So it's not, it's not perfect. Right. But Burnley's do say that they're near to relegation form where palaces do say that we're closer to where Burnley are sort of seventh or eighth in the league.
1: Right. So
3: if you, if you factor in um, all of that, you factor in that we lost our first seven games of the season mm. Do you see Parrish's point about us having a better squad? And that, you know, if we're averaging the same amount of points as we have done in the last 15 games over the first seven, we'd probably have about 10 more, which would put us in in seventh place in the league. And then is there some sort of premise in Parrish's argument that we have a better squad?
4: I think our squad's got a lot more experience. I mean, you know, but I mean, Burnley—it's ridiculous what they're doing this season. They're, they're, they're such a good team, and, and it's terrifying the idea of playing them at the weekend. I think, I th- you know, they're they're so solid, but we have got more experience. I feel we've been here a lot longer. Um, it's it's a tricky one, really. I mean, look at the end of the day, Burnley are seventh, and we're fourteenth. Hmm. You know, they're still they're still scoring and they're, they're winning games and stuff, but. You know we are we are scoring a lot more goals these days, especially now now with Hodgson. Yeah. You know, I think definitely the, the game at the weekend will be a lot of, a lot tougher battle than it was previously at the beginning of the season. Um. I don't well, know. So, but you say that. I mean, we played. We absolutely played him off the park
3: at Burnley. I mean, we we probably. Should have thrashed them four or five nil, mm. um, but obviously, it was at the time where confidence was at an all time low and no one could put the ball in the back of the net. But, um, pff, I mean, Hesketh, is it wrong of me to say <laughs> you're going to love this? They are mm, 12 points ahead of us. Is it wrong of me to say that I view this as a, a bit of a six pointer to finish above them later in the season? you've <laughs> oh, been drinking. Well, I, I am I am halfway through a bottle of Adam's Southwold Lighthouse. You know, whatever that is. But um well, I'm sat here drinking water. <laughs> Very clear headed. Um,
5: I, I I see what you mean. Like as an objectively, if I if I wasn't a miserable pessimist who just assumes the worst of palace, if if I you know looked at it as a supporter of two other clubs, you would say Burnley are overachieving and at some point, the bubble's going to burst. Um, and on the flip side with us, like William said, we're scoring goals now. Um, to go the first seven games without scoring a goal. Mm. And now we've scored, other than the Man City game, we scored two goals at home in like... Six or seven
3: in a row, something, yeah. isn't it? Yeah.
5: So, And that's hard for me because I go, they're expecting... They'll make the law. But... Yeah, I think look, it's going to be a tough game because they're a, they're a, they're very good at what they do. Um they haven't got, you know, big name players, they work hard um and they get a lot of good results. Um but we've got Wilf. You know, we've got Luca who's in really good form. Ben Teke's due a goal at home, hopefully. Um
3: <laughs> due a goal anywhere ever. Due
5: a goal full stop. Um, so I think it'll be I think it'll be tough uh, for for both teams. I think you know both teams are in all right form i think we're in better form than them actually i hate to say it um we are i don't think that i don't think that's an unfair thing to no, say yeah we we are we definitely are we are playing you know brighton game aside we're playing really well um you know that that performance against leicester was brilliant man city was brilliant in a different way our second half against southampton was very good mm. um and i think what what we need to use again uh, on Saturday is coming on strong towards the end of the game.
3: Yeah.
5: Um, you know, under, under Pars, we, we were knackered. Uh, we had no fitness. We, we all know this. We all, we all went to the games and coming into the last 10, 15 minutes, you just knew that we were going to let a goal in.
3: Yeah.
5: Whereas under Hodgson, you know, it's almost as if we've, we're a team with an extra gear. And when it comes to the last 15, 20 minutes, we can just step up the pace a bit. And that's why we're competing and we're scoring late goals. Um, and obviously, Burnley are a very fit team, and that's you know part of what makes them so successful this season and and, and previous seasons under Dice. Um, so I think it's going to be an interesting battle because two different teams, you know, two different types of football. But um, yeah, as for who's got the best squad, um, we've got Jordan Much. So
3: <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, that's the second time he's got a mention today. Um, right? I'd, yeah. I, th- I think the team sentiment was probably right. I think we have the better squad, and I, I honestly think we're going to finish above them this season, um, and that's really out of character optimism for me. So, um. but obviously, one big thing we're going to have to face up this game is probably being without Townsend. Um, pff, d- does this give us an opportunity? Uh, has gives to say you know Sako can go left wing, Zaha will be right wing, Ben Sekai up top. And it gives us a chance to see Zaha on the wing for an entire 90 minutes. And obviously gives Sacco a chance to be on the wing for 90 minutes. And uh, it, sub-question to that, do you think that Sacco having to have sort of toiled up front for the the game time that he's had this season, that when he's actually released back into his natural position, he's going to have an extra belief in about him because he's like, I can do it out front. I know I can do it here. Yeah, definitely. I think for, for the Sacco point, you know, like
5: you, you mentioned, he's a confidence player, and he, he he must be confident at the moment. You know, he's playing really well. He's got some goals there. Um, even you see the videos in training, and they Palace put a video out of the Palace players um, shooting basketball shots. Man like Serbia, you know. Man like Serbia, and but he's obviously loving it. You know, he's in a great mood. He's he's a smiley bloke. He's he's obviously enjoying himself at the moment. And like you said, if you know he he can show that he can lead the line. Then he must be confident that when he goes on the left, which is what he's used to, um, he, he's got to be confident that he's going to do well there, um, because it, it, it's exactly what he needs to have had. You know that the form that the form that he's in is what he needed to have to show that he should be pushing for a first team place. Okay. It's unfortunate that Andros is injured, but it's probably if, if ever you're going to have a time that Andros is injured. Now's the time because Sacco can come in and no one will blink an eyelid. Mm.
3: Um,
5: as for Wilf being on the wing, you know, Wilf's the best winger in the league, I think, you know, out-and-out winger. Um, obviously, we're all biased, but it is so exciting to watch. I and mean, when you see him running at a fullback. back um, you know, the money's on Wilf, isn't it? And if if we can get those two guys... Playing well, you know, if, if they both beat their man early on in the game and mm. get their towels up, then I don't see any reason why they can't both guns have storming games. And that's what we need to have. If they're providing enough crosses and, and balls into the box, Benteke should be getting goals. Mm. Um, this is all really positive for me. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know where I'm going with this. But, yeah, I think <laughs> if we play with those three up front, um, you know, I'd be absolutely fine with that done well in his sort of like roaming role of late. But I always, you know, everyone gets excited. Everyone who's sitting down gets up off their seat. Opposition fans, you know, cover their eyes when he's running at their fullback because you know what he's capable of. So if we can get him going for a full 90 minutes against Burnley, that'll be massive, I think.
3: Yeah, I think um, the whole Townsend being out and Schlupp as well causes a bit of headache for Hodgson because he would have probably wanted to match him with a 4-4-2 and, um, you know, continue Zaha up front. But obviously with Schlupp and Townsend taking away two left-sided options, it's going to push PVA into left-back and then, you know, you're going to have to basically play Zaha and Sakho wide and then that way you get one of the better in. So I think tactically he won't love it. But, um, you know, I think I've, we've found that Roy sort of knows what he's doing specifically in game. So (laughs) we'll see how we get on there. Um, I think we'll finish it there. Uh, Next up, we'll be back with predictions.
0: Homesdale Radio preview podcast, crowdfunded by Palace fans, for Palace fans. Back
2: are back, you know.
3: Right, Heskiff, what did you you predict for the Brighton game? Do you remember? Well, initially I said we were going to lose. And then
5: I said I'd be positive and we'll draw. <laughs> okay. I'm actually looking all right
3: for the draw. And we were. We were looking all right. <laughs> and then and then, uh, then, Glenn came on and ruined everything. Didn't you say we were going to win like 3-0 or something, Billy? I
4: said we were going to win 3-1. Oh, 3-1. <laughs> but then I thought, I figured, you know, we might have, you know, been playing mind tricks and played a, a, a first team, but yeah. no.
3: No. Nah. <laughs> I think I, I think I said one one, so I was I was almost there. But there we go. And I dread to think I don't want to go back. But did the Albion fans say two one? I think he might have done. I really think he might have done. I think he I, might have done, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's not, he's, not, he's not allowed an opinion, mate. Don't worry about it. He's not, <laughs> he's not allowed an opinion. Uh, right, going into this week's game uh, from the Homesdale radio really a lot. Nick Nick has gone two nil. Patrick's gone two one, and Tim's gone one 0 Palace. So all in favour of a victory there. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know. What well, Hesketh? We'll start with your prediction. Let, let's get yours. Do you follow the rest of the crew, or are you gonna? I think you yeah. know the
5: answer to that. Uh, <laughs> this is the sort of game where I think we'll play well, but we'll let in some like a silly goal and then a goal near the end. I think we're going to lose two nil, just because. <laughs> Losing 2-0 at home to Burnley is just the sort of game that we have. You know, it doesn't matter who's in charge or who's playing well. I, that, I just it's ingrained on me. I'd, I'd love to be proved wrong. I would love it. But I think Ashley Barnes will score as well.
3: Just to rub my <laughs> nose. An <open. laughs> okay. And Celebrate massively loves scoring against us. And, you know, it's him... me out. Yeah, specifically. I mean, Barnes and Noon... Um, Craig, Craig no one who's at Cardiff now I think or wherever he's gone now um, I, re- I kind of grudgingly respected Barnes and known for really celebrating and making sure they came over to the Palace fans to celebrate when scoring goals against us because it shows that they respect the <laughs> respect the rivalry you know and specifically now I feel like the rivalry needs some respect so um,
4: <laughs> there you go uh, Billiam first live prediction ever uh, I'm I'm going to go 2-1 Palace okay I think we'll. I think we we'll, I think uh, we'll get a winner in the very last minute, and I think it'll be Sacco, and he's going to smash it. He's going to do it again. He's going to do it again. Slap it. Yeah, exactly. Flaps
3: it. Um, I well, let, actually, let me let me give you the poll result. So the poll result from Twitter earlier, with the three options were e i e i e i o, <laughs> draw written all over it, or um as the guy from in between has said, Burnley can fuck off. Mm -hmm. Um, 35% of people gone for a Burnley win, 37 Palace win, 28 draw. So, I mean, it's almost down the middle, isn't it really? Um, I think Super 6 was saying that 30% of their users are uh, predicted a 1-1 draw for this game. So I think if everyone sees it as a pretty tough one to call. Um, in terms of your predictions out there, um, several times I've been tweeted the Burnley can F off meme. <laughs> multiple times in my things. Um, we've got Jack Thomas has gone 3-1 Palace. He expects Sprony to be in goal. He don't think the Gatafi goalkeeper would be in just yet. Um, Sacco's to score all three from screamers from between 20 to 40 yards. Hashtag scenes. Um, Ebo's gone. Nil one. No new signings. We'll pick up two new injuries. Effing Burnley. Um, like Jono, you, have, like... you like the sound of him? Well, you can follow oh. him at ebe ling underscore j. Ebling underscore or, j. Positive attitude that we should be supporting. <laughs> uh, o has said could be tight. A fit RLC and arrested Wilf with the confidence to Saka could nick it. But I'll go one one. A new signing. Ha ha. Is it the 31st at 11.59 p.m.? No. Then no. 4-0, 4 4 for Benteke. Uh, Thank you, Nathan, for that that view. Um, Head ball boy, (laughs) Richard Nash, has gone 2-1. But with injuries in the squad, it could go either way. So, um, with all that in mind, I'm going to go the complete opposite to you, Husky. If I'm going 2-0 Palace, I think we'll grab a goal relatively early. And then as Azad trying to get one a bit later and we'll nick one on the break. So I'm gonna go Zaha and Benteke to score goals in a 2 0 win. And um yeah, I think that's that's enough optimism for one week. So Yeah. Nice, nice. uh, Producer Billiam, do we have a Hambo review show message? No, we don't. <laughs> we
4: don't.
3: So um so there you go. Um Head Hambo can't be bothered to send in a message, so we'll just dig out a different jingle to play here and then we'll be back after that.
0: Homesdale Radio, preview podcast, crowdfunded by Palace fans for Palace fans.
4: My guy, he clapped it, boy.
3: Yes, guys, so thank you so much. Um, Billiam, I think yeah. you've done well, mate. You did Yeah, well. yeah. okay. I mean. I tried to sink you a couple of times, but you, you just just about kept your head above water. So
4: you, you definitely
3: did at one point. <laughs> <laughs> Was it the expected goals question? Come on. Yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that.
3: <laughs> no worries, but um, you know, fantastic. Thank you for standing in and um and of course for all the brilliant work you always do, guys. Like you don't understand what billiam has to do do in the background to make this sound anywhere near respectable. So um <laughs> Give him a lot of love on Twitter. Was it at, sh- at Show Dog Twenty Two? Yeah, that's the one. Give him a lot of love, and by love I mean just just abuse him chronically. <laughs> and um, Heskiff, uh, you're not the, you're not the new boy anymore. You there, you go. I'm not. I'm part of the furniture already. Part of the furniture already. You like that just stinky bit of furniture that sits in the corner of your mum's house after your grand died and said, oh, "I've got to keep it because it's you know." It's, it's a memory. You can't get rid of the memories. I can't, exactly. Or, the, or just the smell. Don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Fair enough. I yeah, saying, I've just got a new coffee table and a new sideboard that are definitely from the 50s and, yeah, probably got, I don't know, some sort of memories in them. It's quite <laughs> a weird Homes Under the Hammer podcast now. It is, yes. Yeah. Homes Now Under the Hammer.
4: Oh, very
3: good. Oh, dear. No, it definitely wasn't. um Anyway, as always, guys, thanks for listening. We will be back uh, next weekend. Who we got next weekend? Oh, it's another way, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, is that come around already? Mm. Mm. Well, Bye. I think they're rubbish, so I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, we'll get some revenge. Uh, but until next Wednesday, up the palace.
2: It's the 90th minute.